Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 411 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am Jason Evans, and strangely enough, neither Sam Klein nor Donald Wine are with me on this journey today. Look, we promised you guys we we're going to be doing a ton of episodes related to the Final Four, to Duke playing UNC. And one of the things I really, really wanted to do was I wanted to talk to a Carolina fan. I wanted to talk to an expert on the North Carolina basketball team. Sam and Donald couldn't make it, but my expert could. So this is going to be me, Jason, talking to the enemy. <laughs> I am joined now by Al Hood. Al is a contributor for Tar Heel Blog, the SB Nation website dedicated to the North Carolina Tar Heels. He is a UNC alum in the class of 2001. His freshman year was Coach Guthridge's first year on campus. So he knows what it's like to have a first-year coach take you to the Final Four. Al, thanks so much for joining us on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Believe it or not, I, I will actually say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and speaking of glad to be here, how shocked is Carolina Nation that you guys made the Final Four? You know, I think any Carolina fan that tells you that they were expecting this is just outright lying to their face, to, to your face. Uh, it just this, if you had asked us after we uh, lost or we watched our team lose to Pitt uh, about six weeks ago, they told you that they expected our, uh, they expected the team to uh, make it this far. They were lying. Um we are definitely uh, we are definitely shocked. We're enjoying it. Don't do not change shocked for the fact that we're enjoying it. But I think uh, speaking for me and speaking for a lot of fans and alumni that I've spoken to, I think um, once we got past uh, once we got past that eight nine game, uh, we felt like we could win any game from that on that on. Especially since the win in Durham, um, we felt like we absolutely could win that game against Baylor. But I think once we won that first round game, we, a lot of us, especially after the win in Durham, a lot of us were just kind of like, okay, everything from here is just gravy. Everything else here is great. We've had a great season. We've done X, Y, Z. Um, I think the only time where you can say we're not surprised we made the final four was after we beat UCLA and we knew we were playing St. Peter's. That was the first, like I watched that game and a lot of our fans kind of watched that game on Saturday, on Sunday. If you took out who was waiting for us on the other side, <laughs> was probably the most relaxed I had been watching a game for the at the elite eight level that I have ever been because there was just that you knew you were better than St. Peter's. Yes, they beat right. good teams, but you knew you were better than them. And as long as it as long as the team took this this squad seriously, you knew you were going to win. And within the first couple of minutes, they were like, "Yeah, they're taking this team seriously." And so that the rest of that game went. So maybe after after Friday night, we were no longer shocked. But any time before then, no way that this would have been expected. All right. So let me lead you on then to the question that every Duke fan is confronting right now, and I imagine every Carolina fan is as well. It's the question of fear. Mm -hmm. Is this? This is the one matchup that I think that none of us want. As much as we love beating each other, this is the one matchup that none of us wanted. Put me in mm -hmm. the mindset of the Carolina fans because a lot of Duke fans are saying, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want it. It's, it's apocalypse. It's Armageddon. It's all that other kind of stuff. But it allows us to get revenge for what would be an absolute crowning achievement for North Carolina to send Coach K away from Cameron with a loss in his final game. This would trump that. So talk about the fear that maybe the good that you did a few weeks ago in Cameron is all going to be undone. 
And see, if you speak to the typical Carolina fan, I think at this point now with, with kind of this past week to kind of let everything soak in, we don't view that. This and I actually wrote a. I have a piece really. On, yeah, I have a piece. I have a piece on Tar Heel blog, and I will. I will fully admit I've had to. Uh, there are more than a few fans that are like, okay, if we lose on Saturday, it completely wipes everything out. But it's there are a few caveats to that. Um, one, whoever wins on Saturday, if if Duke were to get revenge and win on Saturday, how good is it if they then turn around and just lay an egg on Monday night? Okay, yeah, you beat us in the national semifinal, but you still didn't win the title, and we still beat you at the last time that Kay faced Carolina in Cameron Indoor Stadium. So we have that. Um, <laughs> one, going into, the season, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> going into this season, this was expected. This is the goal for y'all. This was what y'all, y'all wanted. For us, yes, we were ranked highly but we didn't know what we were dealing with with Coach Ke- with with Coach Hubert Davis in his first season, sure. and all of the changes that had happened with the program. Who we had to convince to stay, who we brought in with three different transfers, how everybody would fit in, what Davis's style would look at. So this whole season was just one big unknown for us. So I think if you're talking about the expectations game going into the season, we're also coming at this from a different place too. You know, we didn't know our Hall of Fame coach was going to be retiring once all of this at the beginning, you know, he and he retired at the end of last season. So you go in with the different expectations. You go in with the fact that we ruined your retirement party. You go in with the fact that we were already kind of of the mindset that every game after the first round was going to be gravy anyway. So was there that fear that, yeah, this it, it would suck to play them? Are there some Carolina fans, including myself, I will fully admit, I have talked myself into the fact that, like, even if we lose, it's fine. Will I still be a nervous wreck watching the game on Saturday night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have heard the screaming right. I had after it was I, – I would not allow myself to believe we were winning in Durham until Baycott had that slam with under a minute to go. And at that point, I was like, that's when I just let out this primitive scream that was like, oh, my God, we actually are wanting to do this. Um, but I think a lot of it does come with the expectations game of the fact that it's a semifinal, not a championship. I think the ultimate trump card is a championship. If one of us plays each other for a national title, like could have, what could have happened in 91 and one team won, that is the one thing that you can go back to a loss on Saturday could bring y'all to even uh, it is, it is absolutely, especially if you win a title, it is one of those things that, yeah, you got that, you got that. Dude, winning wait Cameron. a second. Hold on. Hold on. I'm you gonna... got that winning Cameron, Bring you got that winning even. Cameron, but we had to, but wait. we beat y'all to get that title. But like, <laughs> there's never going to be another last game in Cameron 4k. And we, and okay. nothing is going to beat the sight of those hundred some odd Duke basketball players all sitting behind K, all wearing that shirt, that, that special commemorative shirt, just looking on in horror as we won. <laughs> nothing point, like a, a loss in a national semifinal is not going to take that away from us. Now, if you want to argue that that brings y'all at least back to even, and that just keeps the rivalry going, I'll, I'll accept that. But anybody that wants to tell you that anybody that wants to tell you that, okay, yeah, that gives you a bigger trump card than us. And I'm just going to post that picture, the the picture that Joe Ovi has had when like everybody's butts were tight at the end of that game. And all the Duke players just like, or the Sesame street Duke fans that were just crying at the end of that game. Like those are things y'all can't take away from us. (laughs) Al, I love it. 
I love it. You are you are doing a great job of fueling the rivalry, my friend. I, I, I enjoy this. All right, so yeah, no, it isn't just it isn't just be, uh, being Carolina. I'm I'm from this area. I chose Carolina when I was growing up. So like it is it has been in my blood for my for my entire life here. All right, let, let's move on to the game really quickly. Yeah, um, and I want to know what's changed about UNC in the past month or so. Uh, it, it what this team was for the first two thirds, almost three quarters of the season and what they've been for the past six weeks or so. It's just, it's it's like a complete flip of the switch. Talk to me about what's happened with this team. Confidence. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing, confidence, trust, and um, settling on everybody finally getting used to playing with each other. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. I think one perspective that you may not get from folks is I, I think a lot of the linchpin is actually going to, if you look at it, would be leaky black. Um, and yes, you know, Caleb has done this to y'all before. We've seen RJ get a lot better. Baycott should have been player of the year. Um, and Manic has just been otherworldly. The biggest change to me has been that uh, around the time of not too long after the, the first Duke game, leaky black, all of a sudden just changed and it locked in with him that he was just the, he was the glue guy and he wasn't taking, he wasn't taking ill-advised three pointers. He wasn't taking ill-advised mid-range jumpers. He realized that his position on the team was to be the lockdown defender and to move the offense and to recognize that he's going to take what the defense will give him, whether or not it's a driving layup or whether or not it's a dish to Manic, who if you Manic gets all of his attention for his threes, but if you look at some of the passes that Leakey has made to Manic for some of the layups and the jams that uh, uh, that Manic has had, those two are on a weird communication level right now. So, and I think it's emblematic of the trust. Leakey now has trust in these guys. He's got this inherent trust in Manic. Um, the guys are like, okay, the guys are like, whoever had, whoever is supposed to be the guy that night, that's who we're going to give it to. And you've really seen it in the NCAA tournament where, um, you know, it was Manic, and then it was Davis, and then it was Love. It's like, whoever's got it, whoever's feeling it, we're going to give it to them. And that, um, that trust is something that a lot of fans don't, I think, won't give Davis credit for until now. And a lot of that is born out of the fact that Davis realized the best thing that he could do was play these guys as much as possible. You know, you call them the iron five. And a lot of that is because like, we, we are so used to like in the preseason, 10 players getting on the court and him trying to figure everything out. And Davis realized very early on with this squad that he needed to try to get them as much time together as possible and it finally just, it finally clicked. And then that last bit with them losing against Pittsburgh and outside people essentially calling them soft, it, it's, it hit home for them just how thin of a margin of error that they've had. And they've just been on a different plane since then. All right, so let's, let's go to the game itself. What's the nightmare? What, 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 what goes wrong for UNC if, if Duke wins this game? Our three-point shots don't fall. It, and it's so weird to hear that. It, it is so weird to hear that from a Carolina team, but that is just how Davis has uh, just rejiggered the lineup and how we play. Um, it, we need three, we need three point shots to fall. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who we've got three guys out there on the floor who can hit them. Um, but if nobody, and it doesn't even have to be like 40%, 
But if we're like, if we go into halftime, one of, you know, one of 15 from the three or one of eight from three, and we get to the point to where someone like Caleb just feels like he has to just try to huck them up just to try to get his, try to get his mojo going. Um, you guys have the size to be able to just eat us alive. Uh, the other nightmare scenario is, is going to be foul trouble. Um, and I think that's a nightmare scenario for both teams. Um, if, well, if, less so for Duke. Duke at least has a sixth man. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could argue Carolina has a sixth man in Puff Johnson. He's gotten a little bit better the last couple of times. You'll see, you are going to see him some in the first half of the game on, on right. uh, Saturday night. Uh, Davis has used Puff to kind of rotate not the non-guards chances to be able to sit down he'll he'll use him to sit leaky brady baycott and whatnot so but it, it is different um but foul trouble i think would also be the nightmare scenario if like both manic if manic and baycott have two fouls going into the second half or if they pick up their third or fourth fouls very early in the second uh very early in the second half you know it'll be a replay of the it'll be a replay of the game in chapel hill where duke will just be able to do everything at will um, and you just, I, I think in this situation, if, if Duke can get up by a double digit, um, even if Carolina has shown a lot more propensity to be able to come back, I just don't think that at the level that both teams are playing at Carolina would be able to come back from that. Okay. And what's the, what's the secret, you know, what's the, what's the thing that Carolina could do that wouldn't be necessarily expected that people, you know, as someone who's watched the team as much as you have for folks like us who haven't seen them as much, what's sort of the surprising thing about Carolina that, um, that maybe folks wouldn't see coming. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to lead you into this. I've seen games where leaky black has hit three or four, three pointers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, that would be the big surprise. Um, I would, I mean, that would top my list. Um, maybe the second he list like single-handedly beat Louisville earlier this year, didn't yeah. he? I, I think, yeah. I, I think the other thing would be, I think you kind of alluded to it when we were talking about foul trouble, it would be a situation where um, everybody at this point just kind of has given credit to Carolina having the iron five and thinking that we have nobody on our bench. And if we sit some guys in during the first half, we're just going to struggle. Um, and you know, everybody focuses on the fact that against Baylor, Carolina gave up that 25-point lead. We won't go into the reasons why. We'll just point out the fact that they gave up the 25-point lead. They never trailed in that overtime, and they never trailed in that overtime with both Puff Johnson and Dontrez Styles on the court. Dontrez Styles hit the first three at the start of overtime to settle everybody down. So I think the big surprise and, for and Carolina... by, by the way, really quick, I'll, I'll tell you, I, 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 my family, I have a lot of Carolina fans in my family. There wasn't a, when, when that game went to overtime, there wasn't a single one of them that thought that Carolina was even going to be within 10 points. Like my, my brother, who's diehard Carolina fan, texted me and he was like, he's like, if I gave you North Carolina minus uh, plus 10 right now, he goes, I don't think you, you wouldn't take it, right? Like he was like, we're going to lose by double digits in overtime. It oh, was, I was the same. I was the yeah. same. I was watching with I was watching with a bunch of friends at our first kind of like NCAA watch party that we've been able to have for like four years. And the host takes it so seriously that when it got to overtime, he actually left his own house and paced around the neighborhood during the entire overtime. Like he watched on his phone, but he couldn't be with us because he was just so sick about how that, go how that went. Um, but I do think that that also speaks to the, the toughness that this team has, the toughness and the belief that this team has grown into in these last few games. 
Um, and so I think if you're looking for the thing that's going to be surprising would be the fact that uh, the bench, the, the bench players, I mean, and I would even add Justin McCoy into that uh, too, because he does have at least experience playing uh, against Duke uh, with Virginia. We saw him a little bit in that game in Cameron too. Um, I would, uh, the, the, the surprise would be that the bench plays a much bigger and outsized role in Carolina hanging in there and um, the iron five doesn't get uh, as many minutes as people would think. I don't think Hubert will do it. I do think that Hubert, his tendency in the NCAA tournament has been, he starts with the five and then around the 12 minute timeout, that's when he inserts Puff Johnson into the game and he starts kind of rotating leaky. Uh, the only person who won't sit will be RJ, but he'll rotate. He'll use Puff to kind of rotate love out, leaky out, Manic out and big cut out. And that's because Leakey is such a versatile player that he can move the lineups around as need be. The only person he can't, he probably doesn't trust Leakey to do is the main point guard role, which RJ has just got a hammer lock on right now. Okay. Al Hood, contributor for Tar Heel blog. Take off your Tar Heel hat for a moment. Mm -hmm. I want the honest prediction. What do you think is going to happen in this game? All right. Long pause. I love the long pause. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I mean, if I'm looking, if I am looking at this, if I'm looking at this objectively, if I am looking at this objectively, Duke should win. I, I mean, I can't, I mean, you look at the talent on, you look at the talent on one side versus the talent on the other side. Um, I think you could absolutely argue that Duke has got, uh, has put Durham behind them. Um, and I think you absolutely could argue that now that there is a national championship at play, that some of the other stuff that was available in Durham that Carolina could kind of sneak into and, and, and use to their advantage is gone. So that said, uh, I also think that Carolina is playing at probably the best offensive level that I've seen them play all year. So if I'm being honest, I think that Duke probably would win, but it will come down to the last minute and it will probably, it would probably at most be maybe like a, the last game was like 95. So like this game would probably be like a 91, 85 type Duke win. But anybody that looks at this and thinks it's an eight and a one and thinks that, oh yeah, Duke should hammer this. Like the surprising result to me would be if Duke just comes out and throttles us and we absolutely just, we completely fall on our face. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. In fact, I'm inclined to agree with all of your assessment of, of how the game will come out. Al, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for talking to us, for coming into enemy territory and joining us on the Duke basketball report podcast. I would say good luck, but I cannot wish you good luck. <laughs> oh no i know you'd be lying anyway i i i forget that like i i hope you i hope you guys do fall by your face and we end up winning by 20 because the enormity of the moment just gets to be too much for them so uh yeah i really hope that doesn't happen all right man thanks again <laughs> appreciate you being with us no problem and coming up next on the duke basketball report podcast i'm gonna give you a little hint about why tickets to the final four are so tough to come by All right, we're back from the break. Jason Evans here with you again. Um, still missing Sam and Donald. But I, I did want to give folks just a, a, a real quick thing about the tickets 
and the Superdome and the NCAA. Uh, this is something I was chatting with my, my buddy, Jonathan Gans about this. Uh, I've mentioned him a lot lately. John, John and I have been talking extensively about the upcoming game. He's going to be in New Orleans. I'm going to be in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to know, where am I sitting? Uh, where, where, where's, you know, where are the good seats? And John pointed something out to me that I wanted to spread to the, to the entire audience. If you go to Ticketmaster, to the, you know, which is a, the, the, probably the top reselling place, that, you know, both them and StubHub, uh, and you look at the map of the Superdome for the Final Four game, uh, the way Ticketmaster does it is if there, is, if there are no tickets available, then uh, a section is gray. If there are tickets available, then it's something from light blue to dark blue. And I was looking at the map with Jonathan this morning, and it is amazing how much gray there is, how few tickets there are in the lower section of the stadium, in the 100 level. There's literally, there's nothing for sale. It, even in the sections that are blue that have something for sale, it's like two tickets or, you know, maybe four tickets. There's very, very, very little inventory. And that is because the way the NCAA has done this is the tickets that they have allocated to the schools, the Iron Dukes, the folks who support Carolina and Kansas and Villanova, you know, the, the, the donors that get the really good seats from the schools, those tickets have not been given out yet. So they're not even available for resale yet. If you are a member of the Iron Dukes, they, they have told you what sections we're in. It's between 144 and 155. They told you the sections that the Iron Duke tickets are going to be in, but they haven't given you your exact ticket. They're not going to do that until late on Friday. And it's the same for all the other schools. This is not something that just the Iron Dukes are doing. It's what every school is doing because the NCAA has mandated it this way. So why has the NCAA mandated it this way? Well, the answer to that is the NCAA is trying to prop up the market, the secondary market for tickets to the final four, because the NCAA has a special website where you can buy official experiences, ticket packages and travel packages and all that kind of stuff, fan experiences at the final four that include final four tickets. They also include like, you know, you get, a, you get to take a picture with the, with the NCAA trophy or you get to have a, a, you know, a access to a special fan lounge and uh, you know, a private bar, all kinds of things like that. But they are charging a huge premium for these special opportunities, taking a picture with the NCAA trophy and having a private entrance to this Superdome. And one of the ways they are selling these really expensive, like $500 plus and up uh, you know, packages is because these packages come with good seats. And so they're trying to control access to the good seats so they haven't given out the good seats yet to to the fans and as a result the only way you can you know get into that stadium um is to buy you know in in a really good you know in the in the lower level is to buy one of these special ticket packages all this is going to change by the way on friday when they release tickets to the schools and the schools then release those tickets to the to the donors to the to the boosters who are getting those tickets you're going to start to see some more activity in the secondary market and as opposed to the tickets in the 600 section and the 300 section being available you're going to start to see tickets in the 100 section be available for this game still probably gonna be very expensive but there will at least be some 100 level tickets available if you are someone out there trying to buy a ticket on the secondary market i guess what i'm saying is wait until saturday i know that seems nervous i know that seems like some uh, a formula to not get your ticket but i think if you wait until saturday you're going to really see this market open up and, and there'll be more availability of good seats. I'm not sure what the price is going to be. I still think they're going to be pretty pricey. 
but um, it won't be what it is right now where the NCAA is charging literally thousands of dollars for you to get into, uh, get those seats in the lower level. All right, that's going to wrap it up here on the latest episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Thanks for joining me, Jason. I promise that Sam and Donald will be back with me very, very soon. We're headed to the Final Four, at least Sam and I are, and Duke is headed there as well. Actually, the Blue Devils are already there. Um, so uh, thanks for listening. And rather than the Duke band, once again, here's a little bit of New Orleans music to play us out and take us home. <laughs>